and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. Happy second birthday week to us. I know. Can you believe it? I, I can't believe it. The fact that this started two years ago as a little project when we moved into a flat where we had literally no furniture. Yep. We were sat on the floor. We did sit on the floor to record, yeah. With a cheap £20 mic that mm-hmm. you had found on Amazon. And we thought, let's just do this. Yeah. And here we are two years later, going from strength to strength. We are hot off a record-breaking week with But I'm a Cheerleader. Which is an episode I'm so proud of. Absolutely. If any show was going to set a record for us as our top performing episode in its seven day launch a i love that it happened right before our second birthday me too b i love that it was a show that is so important as but i'm a cheerleader especially with some of the news that came out last week it shows why this show is still important why the show needs to still exist Mm -hmm. with the government supposedly going against their words on conversion therapy and deciding that now we'll we'll just forget about trans people yeah yeah you know that this show exists and we said last week that if you wanted to get tickets to go and see but i'm a cheerleader you absolutely should everyone should go and see this musical it's phenomenal but now you can see it for even longer because the show's been extended until the 8th of may i believe Yes. So it's very exciting. Very, very exciting. And hopefully is just the start of a little bit more for this fantastic show. Mm-hmm. I, I looked back and saw that our previous best performing episode wasn't Waitress. Like I thought it was. Waitress was just shy. Waitress was third. Right. But our best performing episode up until last week was Bedknobs and Broomsticks, the musical. Oh, cool. Well, maybe we get really angry. <laughs> Not necessarily angry. I mean... We have our thoughts on that ending, but I think going into it, watching it again, I don't think the ending would bug me as much because I knew it was coming. Yeah, it was more that we had covered the sh- the film previously yeah, and then expected to just see it translated. And when we got there, we were like, what is happening? But again, that's really Which interesting. Which was a good thing. We yeah. had a big response yeah. to that. But what I think is really interesting is that it's two newer musicals, which is very, very cool. But also two very inclusive, awesome shows that just go to show this is what theatre should be. Mm. And if you're listening to this and you would like for us to come and see your new theatre production, get in touch. Yes, please do. Because we always want to see new theatre. Yes, you can get in touch with us on our Gmail. It's a musical pod at gmail.com. Yes, indeed. Shameless plug over. (laughs) What are we watching this week? I think it's really appropriate. You know, usually for our kind of like, I say usually... We've done two, like, you know, first shows. Our first show was Joseph. Mm-hmm. Our second show was Jesus Christ Superstar. So we thought, oh, you know, let's make this an Andrew Lloyd Webber week. We'll cover Evita. And then the perfect opportunity came up and I thought, no, we have to do this. Mm-hmm. It's our live theatre season. Yes, indeed. And we have been invited to see Singing in the Rain at the new Victoria Theatre in Woking. Yes, this is the new UK tour. Which is very, very cool. But also, I think Singing in the Rain, we've said this many a time, might be objectively the best musical we've watched on this show so far. Well, so the thing is, 
when we watch these musicals, it's kind of like when you have to read a book for school and it's not one that you've picked for you <laughs> specifically. You analyse it to death and then afterwards, if somebody said to you, would you want to reread that book? You'd be like, no, because I know everything there is to know about it. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes with these musicals, especially the ones that we deeply overanalyze, if you think about things like the decoms that we've watched... I don't think I'm ever going to get you to rewatch those. No. They're fun, but we, we did overanalyze all of them. And yeah. so it's very difficult for me to get you to rewatch musicals. There are certain ones that obviously we listen to over and over again. Yes. But, but that's a different, to, that, that's a more accessible, it's a quicker way. Yeah. When it comes to actually being like, oh, hey, let's sit down and rewatch this. It's not always the immediate thing that we want to do. No, and this is the thing. There's a few musicals. I've said this in our year in review episode, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of 2021. There's other shows that, like, is it more spectacular that we went back and we've seen Frozen as many times or School of Rock as many times? Because actually having to pay and make a day of going into London. But I think there's a difference when there is so much on streaming services and on TV that I could sit and watch anything and we have sat and watched Singing in the Rain three times. Once to cover it, once a month later for Christmas and then again Christmas of 2021. Yep. I think personally when there is so much competition, not just from TV, but I could be reading a book. I could be playing the Switch or the PlayStation 5. Or listening to a podcast. Or listening to a podcast. I've chosen to watch Singing in the Rain. You know, Frozen, yes, I want to go back and see, but we saw it the second time because Laurie. Mm-hmm. School of Rock, I've seen so many times, actually partly for work, partly to support students that I teach that are involved in it. Mm-hmm. It helps that I love it. But Singing in the Rain is a show that I've watched because I just had to rewatch. And I thought it was really great. This might be the best musical we've ever seen. How brilliant to actually see how it performs live. Because it wasn't a stage show first. The stage show existed after the film. Because you told, I remember you telling me that the film was all these different songs that they had. And they just kind of worked them into one story. Yes. So it's very interesting because there's a lot of movie musicals that come from stage shows first. You know, Oklahoma, for instance, was a stage show first. They adapted it. Mm -hmm. I can't think of many times where it goes in reverse. Obviously, Singing in the Rain, Moulin Rouge. Mean Girls, School of Rock. I don't count those. Uh. (laughs) I I, I don't count them because they weren't musicals first. I'm talking like... Oh, musicals um, that are turned into musicals. Yes. And I can only think off the top of my head, and I'm sure there's others... Singing in the Rain, Moulin Rouge. Sure. So I'm really excited to see... Because how do you build on the formula of Singing in the Rain? It was so good. Mm -hmm. There's arguably not much it needs to do. It should just really be the exact same. Just with little changes for the... Obviously, we're not cutting scene to scene and doing big set changes. Yes, so transitions. And obviously, you can do a little bit more with maybe some of the dances because... Mm -hmm. You know, you've got a little bit more time, maybe. And obviously, in you know, in the flesh, it's a little bit different. But I think, I, I mean, I don't, I can't think off the top of my head what I want more of from Singing in the Rain. I don't necessarily want new songs. 
I don't want songs added to. I can tell you one thing that I think I want changed, and that's it, is I would prefer for the Broadway gotta dance to be a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Because I just, and I and like the framing of it in the film comes out of nowhere and it doesn't actually seem to fit the narrative of the film. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the only thing this could look to improve upon. Yeah. So this might be the perfect stage musical. Hmm. Because it will build on the success of a film I love, but enhance the film even more so. Yeah. Singing in the Rain was adapted to be a stage musical in 1983 cool at the london palladium so opened here first for once makes a nice change for us and it had the adapted story by betty comden and adolph green who had worked together quite frequently betty comden uh is known for obviously singing in the rain but also things like on the town the bandwagon always fair weather hallelujah baby and on the 20th century they worked together quite a lot and then we have Arthur Freed as our lyricist and music by Nacio Herb Brown. Obviously, the plot here is going to adhere pretty closely to the movie. Which is what I want. Because there's only so much you can change to things like this without pe- giving people the sheer outrage that we felt with Bed Ups and Brimsticks. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that would be really controversial with this show if you change too much of it. Yeah. So the original West End production was choreographed by Peter Gennaro and directed by Tommy Steele. Tommy Steele of Half a Sixpence. Yes. And he also starred in it as Don Lockwood. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, He had Royal Castle as Cosmo, Daniel Carson as Kathy and Sarah Payne as Lena and also another character called Julia. But it was embellished by a couple of additional songs. But... okay kept in very much the style of the original Fair enough. musical. Uh, it ran from June 30th of 1983 until September of 1985. Wow, so it had a really nice run. Mm-hmm. Then we got the Broadway production, a West End return, a UK tour. It was at the National Theatre. It was at Sadler's Wells. And then it's been basically everywhere else. Like Paris, obviously all over Broadway, there was a uh, another UK tour in 2013. Yeah. And then it started in Manchester. Like, it's been everywhere. But I think that is because this is a a show that carries clout. Mm-hmm. Just because it's adapted from maybe the best movie musical of all time. Yeah. One of the things I'm really excited by in this, and this comes from the press release, that for me I'm like, wow, this is so cool. They actually reign on the stage during Singing in the Rain. And it u- the show uses more than 6,000 litres of water during each performance, which is roughly the weight of 11 grand pianos. Or a certain number of elephants. Yeah. I saw that too. Yeah. But I'm so excited. Why are we measuring things in grand pianos and elephants suddenly? Water. You know, that's why. I'm very excited to see this because that sequence is magical and is iconic. And... To actually have it where this character is in the rain. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you could do it without it. With, you know, without it just looking cheesy, corny, silly. Yeah. Well, so when it originally opened in London, a reviewer of the show said that the stage downpour is so noisy 
and poses such a danger of microphone short circuits that uh, Tommy Steele actually had to lip sync to a previous recording of him singing the song to avoid getting electrocuted. (laughs) I'd never considered that. Mm -hmm. That is a very good point. Yeah. And I guess, well, I say I guess, I'm hoping that maybe through the advent of modern technology that maybe that's no longer a problem. Yeah. I wouldn't mind them lip syncing to the song, you know? Yeah. I think sometimes spectacle outweighs everything else. Mm-hmm. And this is one that it has to deliver. It's We talk about it all the time with like iconic moments. If you're going to carry the musical, the, the thing you are waiting for is the, the blood. Yes. There are certain moments in shows that you are waiting for above all else. Frozen, let it go. Mm-hmm. You have to get that right. With School of Rock, you have to get the the final batter of the bands right. Lion King, maybe the stampede scene has to be done right. Yeah. There are really iconic moments in these that, especially if you go in knowing the property and you've seen a film, if it fails, that's it. The, ru- the, the, the night is ruined. So if they had this with him lip syncing, dancing in the rain, I'd be happy with that as opposed to no rain and him just singing whilst the noise effect was there. And some lighting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd rather have the rain for this. Mm -hmm. Me too. This actually didn't win any awards until the 2000 London Revival when it won Best Musical Revival. But when it originally came out, it was nominated for one Olivier Award, which was Best Actress. uh, And Sarah Payne did not win. Who did Sarah Payne play? Was she... Lena. Lena. That's interesting that Lena gets the Best Actress nod and not Kathy. Mm Mm-hmm. They were nominated for two Tony Awards, Best Book and Best Performance. Again, didn't win. And then, yeah, four Olivier Awards for 2001 season. Yeah. And they won Best Musical Revival. Very cool. But nothing else. That actually, you saying that, that makes me interested in what happens with Lena in this one. Because Mm -hmm. I, maybe the other thing I like changed is her character doesn't get much. Yeah. So what could, maybe there's some wiggle room. You cut something off the gotta dance and you just give a little bit more to Lena. Mm -hmm. That'd be quite interesting, I think. Because we've got a really good cast for this production of Singing in the Rain. Yeah. So we have got Adam Cooper, who plays Don Lockwood. He's trained at uh, the Royal Ballet School. Yes. He's been in Matthew Bourne's Red Shoes. He was Don Lockwood in Singing the Rain at the Palace Theatre in London and in Tokyo. So he knows this role, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlotte Gooch as Kathy. She was Bomb Ballerina in the European Tour of Cats. Yep. Patty Simcox in Greece, mm-hmm. to name a few things. She's been in Top Hat, Dirty Dancing, Legally Blonde, which is very cool. We also have Faye Tozer from Steps, who's going yes. to play Lena Lamont. I'm so excited. I love Steps. You love Steps. Absolutely adore Steps. I didn't realise, and this is really interesting, I didn't know she'd been in as much as she has been in. I was like, huh, this is some stunt casting. Mm-hmm. She was in Everyone's Talking About Jamie at the Apollo Theatre. Yes, I did know that. And she did Singing in the Rain in the UK tour, so maybe she's done this show before. Probably. And is returning to it. Because they don't usually theatre credits. They won't put them in for the show they're currently doing. Mm-hmm. 
Over the Rainbow. Is that... Because it's a UK tour of Over the Rainbow. Was that to do with Andrew Lloyd Webber's... I have no idea. Over the Rainbow, like a concert tour? Or is it The Wizard of Oz, but Andrew Lloyd Webber's Wizard of Oz? Uh, It was a concert tour. Cool. Very cool. Mm -hmm. We are going to be seeing Alistair Crosswell playing Cosmo as opposed to Ross McLaren. Um, I'm very excited to see him in this because he's been in a couple of things that I've actually seen. So he was in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when it was at the uh, Theatre Royal on Drury Lane. I think I would have seen him there as well. Yep. Uh, The Sound of Music, which I saw. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang at the Palladium, which I saw. So lots of things, as including, like, we saw him in all-star musicals on ITV. Yes, and is currently, or, you know, has has potentially filmed roles in Pinocchio, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, and Enola Holmes too. How exciting. So, you know, it might be cool to have seen Alistair Crosswell again. Yeah. You know, before he, you know, hits things big. This one was quite exciting when I looked through the programme notes. Mm-hmm. The actor playing Roscoe Dexter, so Roscoe's the director, uh, Michael Mattis. The director in the show. In the show. He's the director of the film that they're filming, yes. His films include A Muppet Christmas Carol. That's awesome. Right? I don't know who he plays in A Muppet's Christmas Carol, but you know he's also been in The Phantom of the Opera at Her Majesty's Theatre. So, you know, we're going to see a really good show You know, if you just look at some of the credits of this cast, they are very accomplished. Yeah. Which is exciting. Before we do head off and see it, have you seen... You've seen Sing in the Rain live, haven't you? I remember you telling me that you've actually seen this show before. Yes, I saw the 2012 revival. What was it like? It was very good. (laughs) I don't want to give you anything away. I mean, based on what you've seen, do you think I will be satisfied with this stage adaptation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There are two specific things that I remember being in the theatre and being like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether they will have changed them slightly for the way that the tour works, because obviously you have to get in and get out of these theatres very quickly. Yes. Um. But I don't think they'll have changed that much. I'm very excited. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. That I was pleased to see that they're at least keeping whatever the contraption is that makes it rain. Mm-hmm. And I'm intrigued to see how it happens because will the rain like drift off into the the orchestra pit, for instance? You know, because you don't want your band to be like drowning. Yeah. Especially if you're dropping like eleven grand pianos. So I'm really excited to see that. I'm glad that is obviously following it on tour. I guess the other thing for me that I'm really intrigued in seeing is some of the most iconic moments in this are the silent movie sequences. Yeah. You know, like where she's rubbing her pearls and that's all you can hear or you hear the heartbeat, ba-boom, 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 because the mic's there. Mm -hmm. But also that, yes, 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 no, 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 yes, 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 Mm -hmm. that sequence. I'm intrigued to see if they make it into the stage show. Yeah. Because again, it's one of those that I'd be happy that they're not there if the alternative was they were done badly. Yeah. But I want them in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think overall, I'm just really excited to see how this amazing film adapts to the stage. Mm-hmm. 
I, I, I feel like I'm going to come out of this on pretty positive, but time will tell. Yes, indeed. So we will be back, hopefully singing positive about singing in the rain mm-hmm. shortly after intermission. Singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling! I'm happy again. I'm laughing at clouds so dark up above. The sun's in my heart, and I'm ready for love. And we are back. We sure are. We weren't in the splash zone, which is probably for the best. Yeah. But that was an absolutely triumphant night. Yeah. Um, I, I adored it. I think it was just amazing and really, really did such a fantastic job at capturing everything that made the film good. Everything that you wanted. Yeah, but... I forgot to ask you before we went to see it, but there was one thing that you, you've you always said that you would change about Singing in the Rain. Yes. Which is the Broadway melody. It is, yeah. And I mentioned it briefly. I don't know how I change it. I just... Well, actually, I, I can tell you how I change it. It's exactly how they did it in this show. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that when we get to that. But I think that that's the problem, is it always just feels stuck in for the sake of a tap sequence that it doesn't actually have anything. And it just goes on very, very long mm-hmm. without, like, a real payoff. And don't get me wrong, it's a very talented sequence. The level of dance is amazing. But it's always the bit like when we get to it, I I will tune out for it. The great thing about watching it post, watching it for the podcast, I'm not taking notes anymore so I can tune out and just check my phone if I need to. Yeah. That's the one bit in the otherwise like perfect film, but it's a slight nitpick. But I feel like this show, it still goes over long for me. Yeah. But. Actually, I like what they do with it. I guess, disclosure, I injured my back (laughs) going into watching this show. So sitting has been, like, awkward because I've been on pain medication. And I found myself... You should have brought your cushion. (laughs) Well, that's it. I found myself really uncomfortable in, the the, like, just different times. But it didn't matter with Singing in the Rain because I was so entranced with what was going on. I kind of forgot about the pain. Mm-hmm. So some might say this was the best medicine of all, with the exception of the Broadway medley. And that's where I started to notice that I was I was hurting and I lost that focus. So, yeah. But, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was a great show. And I think they started off really, really well because it is just this brilliant immersion to the world. Mm-hmm. The stage looks great. Yep. Like it looks like the inside of a... Uh, factory or like a you know what i mean like wait it's like the inside of a state sound stage yeah and, and that's what i love about it but like and it just looks cold and like uncaring 
But then as people come on, they start turning the wheels and the pressing lights buttons, come on. The lights come on yeah. And there's so much life to it. And we have this really brilliant overture as all the actors come out and they're dancing and they're getting ready for a film premiere. Yes, indeed. And obviously it starts with the introduction to the latest Lockwood and Lamont feature. Yes, indeed. I, I like the way it obviously starts with we introduce all these people behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And they all do like a little bit of their interview. We get the whole Cosmo is an important thing. Poor Cosmo, you know, always in Don's shadow. Yeah. Before Lockwood and Lamont make their big entrance. And I, I really love it. It captures that that same vibe of the film really, really well. Yeah. And I was intrigued. How are they going to touch upon Lockwood and Cosmo's history with each other and they do but they they condense it which i thought was quite a a smart decision because instead of showing like you know lockwood getting his first role being a stuntman and you know going and getting lines they just show them doing fit as a fiddle yeah i i like that obviously the way that uh, you would make it exactly the same as the show as you or the film rather is you would get child actors on which is a lot harder when you're on tour. Yes. Um, as we have seen with things like School of Rock and... Bedknobs and Broomsticks. What's the other one? The Osmonds. No, but they were cute. They were yeah, good Yeah, they kids. were good kids. No. Oh, Priscilla. Yes. That's the kid I was thinking of because he was great. He was great. But yeah, it's it's done very, very well to get rid of any need to have child actors in this production. Yeah. And I really like it starts at the, it's like this vaudeville act and you see like two beforehand in the crowd. They have like the, the crowd noises mm-hmm. and they're not into it. And then out they come for Fit as a Fiddle. And that's fun. And I really liked that. And obviously they go into the premiere and it's a success. And we have the bit where they're talking into the microphone after the show being like, oh, thank you for coming out and supporting us. And we get that brilliant bit with Lena trying to speak into the mic and Don being like, no, no. And then as soon as they've waved goodbye, we hear Lena's voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's, she does a really good job with her voice. Yeah, and they do a really good job because obviously this is another thing. Like you said about the rain, we're all waiting for that moment. We're all waiting to hear Lena talk because that's the joke in the show. And they do this really well. Faye Tozier's voice is brilliant here. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it is that kind of unconventional voice for Lena that doesn't go with like the classical beauty that we're seeing on stage. Yeah. And I, I think she, she does an absolutely brilliant job throughout as Lena, but it's because, and, and this is the thing is she doesn't take herself seriously at all. And it's great when you see all these simple moments, it's like right up until the end, Lena is like this pantomime villain who mm-hmm. the stakes don't matter. She's just there. And that's what's so nice. And that's why her twist at the end is so good because you don't expect it from her because she's this comic foil before she becomes the big foil. But it's all these little moments with the voice and with the like ditzy nature that work really well throughout. Yeah. Obviously we have this nice introduction and then we move on. Don, you know, is on top of the world, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't seem to be fulfilled. Yeah. It's like in, in Hamilton, he'll never be satisfied. <laughs> yep. 
and instead of going to like the the premiere party or the after party he sends Cosmo in his place he's like you you take my limo here take my coat too so my fans can mob you and he walks off and yeah he decides he's going to walk to this party yes and this is obviously a little bit different you know in terms of translation it's fine because you know he can't be in the car and he can't be on top of like the the trolley the trolley and, and yeah, everything yeah i think this is well done and i really like this cuz he's, he's strolling and he bumps into Kathy and Kathy is not impressed by him. And you obviously have the fans come and mobbing. And he's like, I don't know. Oh, he tries to get away with being like, oh, yeah, I hear that all the time. Thanks, though. Like, that's really <laughs> flattering. And these women are like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's really convincing that he's not himself. But they're all just kind of like, no, no, you look you look too much like him. Yeah. And you have the great bit of the police officer as well. And they're just a like, tapping of the nose because like... Oh, that comes back a couple of times yeah. as well. But I really like some. Did we have You Stepped Out of a Dream in the film? No. Yeah. I thought this was a new song. But it's a really nice addition. Mm-hmm. Because... I like that we have the... Obviously, I know this comes before Waitress, but that's my point of reference. Is You know, when Ogie conducts, everybody's singing... Yeah. Never getting rid of me. He does the same thing and you stepped out of a dream because he's just making fun of Kathy. Yeah. And I like this sequence. I think it's a really nice moment because I think in the film they do such a good job at like building this the foundations for their relationships so quickly. Mm-hmm. This song is a really nice alternative way of doing it. You get their kind of like bickering and, you know, the well, I'm better than you because I'm a I'm a performer on, on the stage. Mm-hmm. Which I think is even more appropriate given the fact this is a stage adaptation of the film. You know, it's, just, it's always like saying, well, we all know you like the film, but I'm here to improve on the formula. Yeah. And it's, re- it's a really fun little sequence that you can instantly get the anything you can do, I can do better type vibe off them. And like you say, there's that really nice conducting bit. Yeah, I never thought of it that way with the anything you can do. But yeah, that is basically who they are. Yeah, but I really like that about them, and I like their dynamic. Is you know we obviously have this bit here where she's like, if if you've seen one Don Lockwood feature, you've seen them all. Yeah, which obviously is her way of coming across a little bit modest. You know, she doesn't want to admit she's a fan. Mm-hmm. I guess it's different if you're in the same kind of profession. You know, you don't want to run the risk of, you know, working with him on stage and on screen in in Lockwood's case. Yeah, and being seen as just a fan, you want to be seen as an equal. So you've kind of got to almost play it off a little bit because you know later on she's like oh no i love your films yeah she's trying to be i don't even know how to describe it i think this is how everybody is like oh i would want for this celebrity that i actually really fancy to think that i was so cool and like i don't care about your fame oh yeah like you'd 100% bump into them at like somewhere like sorry who are you you? yeah because you hope that they'll see you as an ordinary person yeah. And it does actually work because he's obsessed with this girl. Yeah, as soon as she's like, mm, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. He's like, no. Yeah. Now I need to Now I need to know why she doesn't care about my movies and why is this important? And yeah. it's great. I really like it. So they go to the party and this this scene plays out really well. Obviously his, his jacket's ripped, which is great. But they sit down and they're shown a talkie. 
and it's so good because like there's a screen at the back of the stage that comes down and somebody talks yeah and everyone's in disbelief come out from behind the screen mr simpson i'm right here yeah you know and it's really really good and everyone's like oh but it's so vulgar it'll never last Mm -hmm. but then then we have all i do is dream of you that you know she comes out in the cake yeah. And they have the really great dance sequence. All of the, the, the dancing girls seem to go with someone else and interact with a member of the ensemble one-to-one. And obviously Don gets Kathy, and mm-hmm. Kathy's so not interested. But one of my favourite lines was like, huh, I've seen where you live now. Of all the cakes in town, you had to, you know, like... <laughs> I just love the way he's like, Let, show me around your cake. Show me where you live. Mm-hmm. And obviously his flirty banter gets on the wrong side. As Lena shows up, she gets a cake to the face. Yep. Which is brilliant. And it is this is slightly different from the film because Kathy immediately gets a napkin and tries to help her rather than yes. just running away. Which is actually quite cute. And then Lena starts screaming at her and she's like, and I'm leaving. But it's <laughs> another small touch that makes... It's like we know that Kathy is a kind person. She didn't mean to do that. And she's upset that that happened. Yeah. And, and that she a... didn't get done. And it really helps as well because you're making Lena a more unlikable, nasty character that what she's doing is deliberately nasty. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was good. We have the uh, reprise of You Stepped Out of a Dream. Yeah. Which is basically him being like, no, don't run away. And he, in the film, he runs through the girls' dressing room and is like, where did Kathy Selden go? And they're all like, oh, she left. Can we help with anything? Yes. But in this version, he just goes backstage because they're on the sound stage the whole time. Yeah. And she's already gone. So then he sings his little reprise of You Stepped Out of a Dream on his own this time. And it's more like somber, yeah. which I like. And then, yes, we cut forwards a little bit to Don complaining to Cosmo that he spent weeks looking for this girl and Cosmo's like, you're wasting your time. You are the most famous man in Hollywood. You can date whoever you want. Yeah. And also, you're in this contract with Lena. You probably shouldn't be dating anybody else anyway. Not that he's dating Lena, but like, no, but that's what their PR team is putting forward. Which I still love the fact that Lena legitimately thinks that they're together in all of this. Because she reads all the fan magazines. Yeah, she's like, yeah. oh, we are together. And I think, Kathy does as well, which is why Kathy's got this approach. I really like as well, as we see like backstage, obviously you got, you know, the gorilla suit. Mm -hmm. And obviously you see them just making movie magic in the background. This is another scene. And I didn't really, I I, I didn't mention it during the preamble, but make them laugh was one of the bits I was most excited to see because it's one of the best sequences. You know, like if I think, what do I want to see from singing in the rain? Mm-hmm. Obviously, singing in the rain, make them laugh. Moses yep. supposes his toes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. Those moments are all the ones like along, you know, in terms of the, the song sequences. These are ones I'm really excited to see. But there's so much like pressure that comes with them. Yeah. I think make them laugh was brilliant. Like the energy that Alistair crosswell needed to bring to this mm-hmm. it's not the same because of like i guess the limitations of doing it on stage like the running up the wall doesn't happen but i really like that's one of the things that we talked about when we were actually in the theater is you were looking at the set and you said how are they gonna do make them laugh and i was like what do you mean and you said well there's no walls that he can run up it was like uh 
we get the next best thing as he goes to run up a wall and he jumps through the drywall. Yes. And that's so funny. And twice people try and stop him. So one of the two members of the ensemble, one of them grabs him and like flips him over. So he does a backflip, which is cool anyway. Yes. And then the second time they all like lunge forwards and are like, no, <laughs> to yeah. stop him. And then he finally does it. It's a really, really fun sequence. Like all the different interactions with all, all the different parts of the stage. Like you've got him on the the rails for the wardrobe and the clothing. You've got him. Getting hit in the face with the, the board, which yeah. people in the audience gasped at because it really looked like. Yeah, it was it when did. he not when they swung it, but he turns into it. And yeah. I have done that before. And it hurts. It does hurt. I knocked myself out doing that once by turning around straight into a plank of wood. It's, it's a really fun sequence and it captures the energy really, really well. And, you know, in kind of like one of the first big tests of this film, mm-hmm. it's successful. I forgot to mention, we actually see the film, the the. Oh, we see all of their films of and they've been recorded with these performers playing the parts and in the period costumes and everything. And yeah. they're done so well. So, yeah, after the first... So, as they go into the first premiere, after Fit as a Fiddle, they actually do drop the screen right at the front of the stage and they play the silent movie. And it mm-hmm. looks so good. Yeah. Because it actually looks like watching a silent movie, but it has the cast doing it as well. And it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so funny and engaging with the world that we're watching yeah and you have the boards that come up with the writing on so like they'll perform as if they're saying the lines and then it'll come up with a flat screen that says philippe yeah oh pierre you shouldn't have come but this was it it was so good because like the commitment to actually building this world was brilliant and from there i was like i'm just gonna have a great time Mm -hmm. i stopped being worried with that first one because i was like they're gonna do this and that's what's gonna work really really well yeah. So we get make them laugh, and then we hear the news that they're shutting down production on the Julian Cavalier because Warner Brothers have hit it out of the park with the jazz singer, mm-hmm. and they're going to convert the soundstage so that they can produce this as a talkie. And then we get beautiful girl. Yes, this is one of the things I was talking about in before we went in to see it, is the plane. Yes. Um, from what I remember, in the West End, it was one full static piece. Yeah. But also, this was in 2012, so I could be wrong. But, yeah, they they literally have all of the female ensemble, including Kathy, out standing on top of this plane and singing Beautiful Girls because it's a segment for another film yes whereas in the film it's some kind of wedding attire advert yes uh for either the radio or for pre like previews yeah they get around uh this this monumental pictures to filming talkies really quickly and not full length ones but they're obviously filming short talkies alongside them putting this movie on yeah which is very cool. It is very cool. I liked this sequence. You know, it, it didn't really make sense in terms of how it was presented with the bridal stuff. But, you know, the whole point is you're seeing Kathy's star on the rise. Yes, she's in this because of a favour from one of her friends. And then uh, he recommends her to Mr. Simpson. Yes. And Mr. Simpson's like, oh, I really liked her in that sequence that I've just watched. I'm thinking of putting her in Zelda. Uh, is one of the other big Hollywood stars in this. 
I'm thinking of putting her in Zelda's next film as like the kid sister character. And so they're all talking about her career. Yeah. And then finally Don catches up. Yeah, because I really like this moment because they keep they keep Kathy behind to audition and then they bring out Cosmo and they she sings Lucky Star. Oh yes. They to ask audition. her to audition, which this is a nice way for I'm trying to think how he finds her in the film, but it basically just is that Cosmo is playing the piano yeah. or conducting for the thing that they're filming. And then he, when they're done filming, runs and gets Don and comes back. Whereas this is quite nice. It gives us time to have Cosmo yeah. get Don. There's a really cute little bit where she's, because she stood next to the piano yeah. singing and Cosmo stops and he points to her and she, he, he's like, move forward, yeah. go and sing out to him. Because he's, they're trying to help impress. Mm-hmm. I like it after the audition. She's like, I can't do this because, you know, you, you are the studio that has Lena Lamont and Lena Lamont doesn't like me. I pied her. Yeah, yeah. I pied her. And also, I can't work with him, you know. But it's really fun. And she she gets the job and, you know, he's all like, we will remain professional. But then we go into, uh, you were meant for me. Mm-hmm. I remember that sequence being like, in the film, it's okay. I like it. It's really romantic, but it just feels very long. Yes. But you've got that really beautiful set piece of like the ladder and all the, the effects. Mm-hmm. And they managed to capture that really well on stage. They like, get the step ladder, they change the lights. And you see Don... Like, this is the thing I like about Dom. This character could come across so arrogant and obnoxious because he's the biggest star in Hollywood. Yeah. And, you know, this could be him exploiting his power to date the women he wants to. What we actually see with Dom in the film and in this, he's actually very, very involved for the right way. He clearly knows how backstage works. Because he can set the scene himself. He treats everyone with respect. Like, he may be the biggest star. But But on set, he's very nice to everybody. Yeah, like, there's no one who, you know, like, he treats them with the courtesy that he would have had coming up the ranks as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just to touch on the performance of the character again, I think Adam Cooper does a really brilliant job of this. He makes Don really likeable. Yeah. And really charming, but really just engaging. And that's got to be such a monumental task because this is, this is iconic. This is Gene Kelly mm-hmm. and you are having to follow up. Like if you've never seen this show before, your only base reference for this is Gene Kelly. Yeah. I think Adam Cooper does a really good job at making the role his own. That at no point you're like, yeah, well, he's not Gene Kelly. He does a really good job standing on his own two feet. Mm-hmm. He holds his own with the dance. He's fun. He's engaging. You can tell he's a very, very highly trained dancer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which you'd need to be for this role. But I think I just like the sequence because you see him putting everything together. He knows. And this is one where you see he's a very humble individual. And, you know, it's a cute little sequence as he sings to Kathy about how much he adores her. Yeah. Yeah. I like this song. Yeah, no, I don't. I like this song, but it's one of those that I just feel like... Sometimes, you know, these dance sequences, especially when it's very personal to people, just go on a little bit too long. I think on stage they captured it beautifully. One of my favourite things that translates is pre... So I've, I've incorrectly said that, you know, they've shut down because they're going to be a talkie. But one of the things we have is obviously the scene where Lena and Don are filming. And you have that really beautiful backdrop of, like, a palace, like think Palace of Versailles 
she's sat on her bench and he comes up and he's all angry at her like why don't you want to work with her why did you get her fired from her job and he does the kissing up the arm being like you're disgusting you're foul i hate you you're disgusting Mm-hmm. And I love it because that joke works really, really well because, you know, we know what we'll see will be completely different and it gets shut down. Obviously, they need to have some vocal training because she can't speak properly. Yep. So we get a very nice section where we see her struggling. What's the matter with my voice? My dumb or something. <laughs> and you see her bits. Her bits very minimal, but they're focusing on the can't which is nice. I like that emphasis on that, which we'll come back to in a moment. Mm-hmm. And then we see Don with his vocal coach. Now, the vocal coach he's supposed to have is usually Alistair Crosswell. But because Alistair's playing Cosmo, we get George Lyons playing the role. But I really like this moment. You know, it translates really well as your... The, the dialect coach is speaking these difficult things and Don just repeats. We get the nice bit where Cosmo comes up and is mocking him from behind. We go into Moses supposes his toes is roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. Yes, indeed. I love this adaptation of this song because obviously in this film, if you've only seen the film, they don't have the... What's the name of this guy's job? dialect coach yeah uh, they don't have him join in with the dance he disappears basically yes. while the dance is happening and in this version they actually force him to join in with them which i loved i love it because you can hear him saying well if you can't beat them join them yeah which was great i really really liked we had i believe george lyons yes. playing the role of the dialect coach and he was fantastic he also went to lanes which is a performance school here in the uk where I used to go for ballet lessons when I was four. <laughs> I just think, again, this is another sequence that's remembered so fondly. You know, I can go up to my year 11s and I go, Moses supposes, and they'll reply, his toes is a roses. Everybody knows Everybody this. Everybody yeah. knows this sequence. And it, you know, it's one that has a lot of pressure going into it. Mm-hmm. And I really, really enjoyed it here. Like you say, getting the dialect coach involved is great. The tap dancing is so beautiful as well. I love the tap dancing. yeah. And, yeah, we start moving forward. We have the really brilliant sequence where Lena struggles with the talkies. Mm -hmm. And we have the great bit where she's mic'd and the mic is in the flowers. And she talks towards the flowers. And then she talks further away. And she talks towards the flowers. But we can't hear her because she's talking away. Yes. And I love seeing... You have to talk into the bush. I can't make love to a bush. I love this sequence. And it it works really well because of the nature of it, that they they black out, they start again. Mm -hmm. And you see the, you know, the cast and the, you know, the ensemble of the production team slowly getting more and more tired with the whole process. You know, like, take 62, take 62, take 62. And I really love it. And you have the nice bit where she's mic'd and they think it's all sort of like, what can we hear? Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. Oh, it's her heart. And we see Roscoe getting more and more frustrated. Yep. And then they decide to... How's the final way they, they, they mic her? So the first one is a mic by her heart. So there's one in the bush, one on her shoulder by her heart, and then... 
they move it to the other side so it's yes. not above her heart and then that doesn't work either because she keeps looking away from it and then so eventually they put it in the front of her dress in yes. like a pocket so that it's not touching her body yeah but it'll still pick up her voice but that one has to go through her dress and yeah. then Miss Simpson pulls it and she flips Falls backwards. Over the and that's a great, like this whole moment is really good because it builds, it builds, it builds up to this point. Mm. And it's just a really fun sequence that I enjoyed a lot. Yeah. It takes us to premiere night or preview night for mm-hmm. the, the dueling cavalier. And this was one of my favourite bits in the film and it translates really well here. Because it's just the same. But again, we have the projector come down. Everyone goes in really excited to hear about the, you know, see the new Lena, uh, Lena Lamont feature. Yeah. With John Lockwood. And we have the pearls being rubbed together. We have um, Lockwood being like, I love you. I love you. I love you. And then you have the, the person on the side being like, who wrote the script? <laughs> I could get paid better to do that. And then obviously you get the nice bit where the the sound unsynchronizes and you have the yes 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 no 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 and it was just brilliant and the audience is is laughing hysterically at all of this and it was a really good adaptation and I'm so glad they kept it in and they managed to do it in such a fun way that felt like we were part of this audience watching it mm-hmm. and everyone's like we're ruined this we we can't show this 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 is it we're dead we can't use this and obviously we have don cosmo and kathy trying to figure out what they're going to do yeah which means we get good morning good morning yes indeed they're not inside the house in the film they're at don's house but here they're at the same set piece as opening for they're um, out set out of a dream in so the park yeah figuring it out which is really nice. Uh, and again, just works really well. The dancing's crisp, precise. Mm-hmm. The interaction between our trio is fantastic. I love that it ends with the park bench, like in, in the film where they slide it down over. and they all laugh and everyone's happy. It's a really, really brilliant adaptation of this song that pays homage so well to its source material. Yeah. And of course, we get the really great moment where they figure out what can we do? We can turn this into a musical oh yeah this would be great we can save it and then they're like oh but lena because again when she's talking she's talking in her same voice but she says can't really well so she goes from from doing her her voice into the ah, la 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 can't ah, la 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 no at this point she doesn't that's in the finale oh no she does it she's saying it on the stage i I, I was saying she she still can't get it right here she's still ah it's still really fun and yeah, they, this is when we have that moment where Cosmo's like, I've got an idea. Kathy, stand up and, and sing. And he, he does it. And they're like, oh, this might just work. Mm-hmm. And Don embraces Kathy. They kiss, they smooch. Whilst Cosmo's in the background just being like, well, see you guys later. It's like, bye, Kathy. Bye, Don. Bye, Don. No bye, one. Cosmo. And you and you can hear this storm crackling in the background as well. And the lighting does really a really good job at suggesting there's a storm coming. Mm-hmm. And I love it that after they're done with their kiss, they're like, where's Cosmo gone? And he starts to walk her home and he gets her home. And then we get the end of Act One. And I was like, this is remarkably late in the play for this. Because Act One is like 80 minutes and Act Two is 50 minutes. Yeah. But this has to be the end of Act One because you've got to like reset the stage and you've got to give 
Don a chance to dry himself off. Mm-hmm. But this sequence was just amazing as yeah the dun 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 as he sings in the rain and the heavens open up and this is so cool like I just loved it and you've got you just his he's tap dancing he's singing and he just kicks the water out into the audience yes and one of my favorite things is that if you go into seeing this show and you don't know that that happens, you're obviously not going to be prepared. But they do sell Rain Max in advance of this. And when I went to see it in 2012, they were encouraging Rain Max. I don't know whether they were or not. We weren't close enough to the front to be encouraged. No. But we there was a woman uh, right at the front, but like in front of where we were, who grabbed her coat from underneath her chair and put it over her head but like the wrong way around so the hood was over her face so she was completely covered and then he stopped kicking water at their area and moved over to the other side so she took her coat down and he saw her do that and then went and kicked water at her which we were saying afterwards like if your job is to kick water at people to like immerse them in the experience yeah. you're going to aim for people who are trying to avoid oh, it oh god yeah it's so funny well this is it and it was so funny and you could tell he was having a blast doing this as well mm-hmm. it's just a really beautiful fun sequence he has his umbrella up he's dancing he you got the lamp post on the side of the stage he, he jumps up onto and it ends really well with the same policeman from earlier coming in yeah and he 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 he's, he takes the hat covers it in the rain pops up and is like oh I shouldn't have done that smiles at him pats him off and does the tapping of the nose again as he walks off. Yep. It just is a really amazing sequence that works so well because he is actually in rain. And you just see it come pouring down. And it does, I think, sound and look like rain. I don't think it looks like, you know, he's just in a shower. I yeah. think it's a very effective way of doing it. And you explained to me a little bit about how the stage was configured to help work it well so basically the center part of the stage is a big square that is dropped lower than everything else not unlike the way you would step into a shower and it has a drainage system like a grate around the edges of it that then collects all of the water so that it can be reused which is awesome and in the interval they have the crew come out with those big mop brushes yeah you know what i mean the really big ones and they squeegee the stage so that all the water goes down the drain and it's all nice and dry so that when we come back for act two we are not going to slip over anywhere yeah but i mean it's the right right place for it and i just loved it it was a really nice way to end act one everyone's feeling really upbeat positive and we're now gonna go have a little bit of a break come back you know see how this all plays out and also in terms of storytelling this is a high point for they're at their low point, but they've got they've got a hook. Mm-hmm. They're like this could work, and now we're going to see if that hook works. That in storytelling, that does work really, really well for us. Yeah. Act two opens with "Good Morning Reprise." I like it that we're in the offices of uh, Momentum Pictures. Yeah. Or is it no, Mon- Monumental, Monumental Pictures? Yeah. And you have all the receptionists on the phone singing "Good Morning, Good Morning." Which, yes, because they've been on the phone all night trying to do damage control. Yes, which is really, really nice as a nice little, like, on track. 
Mm-hmm. We had the nice moment where one of the women got her hair just like caught up in one of the, oh, the wires. The wire got caught in her hair. Which is, but you know, and then but a, a small touch that I liked is the fact that it's Simpson who has to who like fixed her hair for her. It was just cute, yeah. But I think actually that was really nice because again, he's this boss in this world that is not known for necessarily being the most pleasant environment to work in. Yes, and it also obviously wasn't in character yeah. like she needed that untangled from her hair because it was stuck but it, it makes, was it was cute it and it makes his it character like nicer as well mm-hmm. so I, I really did enjoy that one and they pitch their idea to him on how they're going to save this show they think cool we can do this you know you get the nice bit where he's like cosmo remind me to give you a raise and cosmo's like sir give me a raise and gives him a cigar because Cosmo's got his great idea. They're going to turn it into a musical and they're going to change it to the Dancing Cavalier. And I like the moment when they're all trying to think, what do we do with this? And they talk about how how can we do this? Lena can't do this. So they say, well, we've got Kathy. We can do this, you know, this scheme that will dub her voice. And they practice. They do the song, Would You? Yep. And it works really well. You know, we, we have them recording her her song over it. And you see uh, Lena's image and we hear her voice and it works really well. And then they play it back. And I, I don't know how that works. Surely it's just got to be a pre-recorded version of her singing it. But... No, I think I they, think Lena was actually singing it from off stage. No, um, when they play it back for Kathy and Kathy's on stage. So Kathy's sung it, they record it and they play it back to see if it works. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I was thinking, obviously, she's going to keep it the same way because that's in the script. But if it was a big night and she might just want to, like, escalate her voice a little bit. No, with things like that, you have to keep it the same. And usually when it comes to opting up in theatre, you're actually not allowed to do that without permission. So I guess here's my second question. If Kathy is unwell or it's a day with her understudy, would they have a second version of that track to play on those performances so it matches the voice we've heard? I don't know. Because there's every chance it could be recorded live and then done then. Hmm. I don't know. But it's a really nice sequence. It works really, really well. Well, Um, if anyone from the show is listening, let us know. Yeah, we'd love to know. You know, we'll keep the secret. Yeah. (laughs) If you've got any, you know, behind the scenes tidbits, let us know. Uh, Don sings Would You as well. And then Lena comes in all frustrated because... Because Zelda has told her that they're doing this. And they've been doing it without Lena's knowledge. Yeah. And, you know, especially like, why why are you doing this? I'm I'm supposed to be a fiancé. And he's like, get this through your skull. We are not together. I'm in love with her, which is nice. It's the first time he's ever dropped the L word mm-hmm. about Kathy. And I love this next song so much. What the film was missing was a big moment for Lena. Mm-hmm. And this song, What's Wrong With Me, is great. Especially because, because the literal first line of this song is also what's wrong with me. Yeah. You're like, oh, is she going to have a moment where she's like self-reflecting? No, that's not what this is about. She's basically listing all of the problems 
that she's having with Don and being like, I literally offered to go home with him the other day yeah. and he said, no, what's wrong with me? And then she thinks about it for a second and she's like, wait, what's wrong with him? Yeah. <laughs> and I just love this because it's not suddenly like really well performed. I mean, it is well performed. It's very well performed, but she's not singing in a singing voice. She's singing in her character voice. Which is why it's so good. I, I dislike it where we have a character like Lena who can suddenly sing well because it's a musical. Because the song is like in their head. Yes. Yeah. I, I like it where the joke is that it's still performed in the same way. It doesn't sound as good. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. It sounds great. But the whole point of it is it's Lena's singing voice. And yes. I think this is such a great sequence and I loved it. The song ends and we go back to um, Simpson... Roscoe and Cosmo. Yeah. And we're now being told we want a big tap number because that's what's in at the moment. Our film needs to have one. And like, um, you realise this is set in like Renaissance France, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we can't really do that. So it's like tough. you got to think of it. Oh, yeah. So instead of Don coming up with this now, it's Cosmo's mad idea, which yes. actually makes a little bit more sense, I think. And I like it because the whole idea is behind the sequence is Cosmo pitching the idea. Yes. You know, that he's he's a talented dancer from today, but he's sent back in time. And that's how he becomes the dancing cavalier. And they Yes, because step... he's hit on the head by a sandbag while reading A Tale of Two Cities. Yes. And they step on the stage. Someone I think Lockwood is standing behind Cosmo at this point in time. And yeah, they so turn. the lights come down just to a spotlight on Cosmo so that the rest of the cast can go onto the stage. And Adam Cooper is stood behind him and then they swap and he's in the traditional yellow waistcoat and hat from the film. Yeah, and it's really good as he turns around. This sequence is fun, don't get me wrong, seeing like everyone get opportunities before him and he's just desperate. Mm-hmm. And obviously we have the really talented dance sequence with Harriet Samuel Gray. Oh, she was phenomenal. She was absolutely phenomenal. It still does go on a little bit longer than I'd like, but it is a really fantastic sequence Mm -hmm. and the choreography is brilliant and I I, I did enjoy it. And I especially like that after it ends, we cut back to seeing it was that and Cosmo's like all out of breath because you can imagine he's, he's... done the whole sequence and we just have simpson being like i don't get it can you explain it again and yeah so cosmo falls over because uh, that's a really fun way to end it and it sets the context really well that this isn't actually happening this is the dream sequence but this is what it could be yeah harriet samuel gray is phenomenal you you can see just how talented she is yep i i i loved i, I loved her dance in it it is more condensed, which is good. Mm-hmm. But like I say, I think this was the point that, you know, my pain meds were starting to wear off a little bit. And, you know, there isn't much to talk about with Act 2 because a big hefty chunk of that 50 minutes is taken up here, I'd say, in maybe 10 minute sequence. Yeah. There isn't much in terms of the storytelling left to do. We know where this is going. It is a really nice, simple story with Singing in the Rain because we're going to come back. Yeah. And Lena's now playing the contract card that she's spoken with her lawyer. Legally, they can't do this to her. They Mm -hmm. can't... Because we learned that Monumental Pictures has got this whole press campaign 
singing the praises of Kathy being that she is the voice of Lena Lamont and she's a star for the future. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's like, you've, you've lost Lena, just give it up. And she comes in and she threatens to sue. She goes, I will own this studio. I will sue. Yes. And this is it. Again, she goes, you can't do this to me. You know, like she now is starting. She's to... learned how to say it now, yeah. And she drops, and she has her voice, but she can say "can't" in this proper voice, and it's really like oh, this is a great moment because everyone's like, "But you can't do this to this girl. Mm-hmm. Why?" And she's like, "I can, and I'm going to, because I'm the star here, and she's going to keep me being a star for years." And it's really nice. Everyone else does care about Kathy. And this is where she goes from being pantomime villain into, oh, you are just nasty. Mm-hmm. I really, I mean, Zelda doesn't get enough. Like, why why on earth does she want to do this? She doesn't get enough kind of, like, reason or rationale for doing it. Yeah. You could understand if there was lines that, like, Zelda's lost her job because actually we're going to put Kathy up in Zelda's role. So it does come out of nowhere, but... No, she wasn't going to put... They weren't going to put Kathy in Zelda's role. They were going to put her as Zelda's sister oh no i know but that's what i'm saying is but she will support based on like what we've seen they're expecting kathy to surpass both lena and zelda Zelda, especially because later on we have the line from the pr team oh no it's here yeah the pr guy is like you can't pull a twist on us like this we're all ready with the pr scene for kathy yeah like we can't go back on that now yeah because it's in the newspaper announcing like how great lena lamont is her singing voice and everything Yeah. yeah And they have to go with it and they go to the premiere mm-hmm. and it plays out very, very similarly that they love it and they keep going back out, back out. And, you know, Don is really furious, mm-hmm. as is Cosmo, that Simpson would betray them this way. And Cosmo's like, I want my cigar back. But he's, you know, he says, like, she's holding me hostage. I agree with you guys. She's in she's in the wrong here. And... Lena keeps going out for press and everyone's like, oh, we want to hear her sing. And obviously the idea hatches. Yeah. We're going to have her sing. and they. But obviously they don't clue Kathy in because Kathy would never agree to this. Yeah, because... She's too nice. And, and this is it. She does just like, fine, but I never want to see you again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Lena goes out to sing. Yeah. The audience love it. And then the curtain pulls and everyone starts laughing. Lena doesn't know why. And it's because Cosmo's in that position now. And she twigs and everyone learns that Lena's not the real voice. Mm-hmm. And then, and there'd been some stairs at the front of the stage the whole show and hadn't been used. Oh, this is one of my favourite things that I saw about... Um, gosh, it must have been in an interview, maybe on a lane page or something. Yeah. But the actors from the West End run were talking about how when Kathy runs down the stairs and out into the audience and he shouts, stop that girl, stop her there. That's the girl you heard tonight. When he says stop her, it's really hit or miss whether the audience will try to stop her. Because sometimes people will put their arms out and be like, no, don't run away because they're being told to stop yes. her. And sometimes like what we had, which is we all just sat there and we were like, ah. I, she goes, she goes. Th- this is the thing is I wouldn't feel comfortable being one of those people to put my arm out to stop someone because I don't know if that's actually what they're going for or not. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that you, you're you playing a very difficult game with that because if you have somebody who does put their arm out or grabs this, this you know, the actor playing Kathy, yeah. that can actually really hurt your performance. It doesn't keep them safe. 
Mm-hmm. I think you can't ever predict what the audience will do in these situations. And you also can't predict, unless you had a plant in those seats. Yeah. You can't predict who is going to have those seats you're relying on. And you put someone in a very dangerous position. And I think it should play out the way it does. So stop, stop, stop. And she just stops of her own volition. Or you have someone come forward. Because the way Woking Theatre certainly works. We've got a door next to Row about Jay. Yeah. That's like a stage door. Yeah. And they use it through Blood Brothers. Yeah. I'm sure most theatres have something like that where you can have a member of your job already there to stop them. You know, I don't think we should rely on the public for this. Yeah. But yeah, she comes running down. I'm like, oh, cool. She's coming out into the audience. And it's great because we've broken that fourth wall that we are now this audience there watching Lena. Mm-hmm. And he says how much he he loves her and that she's the star. And obviously everyone applauds and everything's happy because we know the truth. It's a really simple show when you think about it. Like the plot is just so nice and simple. Yeah. And I do feel bad for Kathy because obviously she feels very betrayed here. I understand why she can't know, because if the plan doesn't work, it does. It's maybe the cruelest thing, though, that Don does to her. Like, it's the only time that he can be seen as cruel, even though his intentions are there. But I, I do like how it all comes together quite neatly. Yes. And that he she realises what he's done and, like, yeah. yeah. I always thought that with the film, though, that, like, this seems... It, this still feels mean. Yeah. Even though it was with good intentions, you should have told her about it in advance. Yeah, it does feel very mean. But I guess they're plotting and they're scheming at the time. It's like as it's happening. They don't yeah. have time to pull her aside and be like, just do it. Yeah, exactly. And, it, you know, it takes the wrong person having a mic or the wrong person hearing and telling Lena that they're conspiring. Yeah. We get a really lovely reprise of Lucky Star reprise, you know, as they're like, you know, we're in love. And then everyone goes off mm-hmm. and we come back on in their suits. Everyone's in the suits and we get a singing in the rain reprise as heavens open up once more. Everyone's singing, tapping. I love that our main trio come out in the rain max. Yes. Just like the opening to the film. Mm-hmm. That is a really nice touch. And I think it works incredibly well. Um, <laughs> Kathy dropped her hat, which I thought was cute. You know. Oh yeah, and then she ran and grabbed it. It's it was because they put their arms up and she knocked it off. Yeah, I, I think it was a really great way to end the show and, you know, quite deservedly got a standing ovation. It was a really, really great moment. Yes, indeed. It really was. Yeah. So there's a lot of great things in this show. You know, the choreography is fantastic and I have to... You know, we don't often credit the creative team behind things, but you've got... Uh, Ian William Galloway, who is the video design, and Simon Higlett, who is the set design. Mm-hmm. A pair of them did a fantastic job. You know, the set is so great. And obviously having this huge set piece of the rain works really well. But yeah. Just the way that the projectors would come down, and obviously you filmed these sequences, adds so much to this world that could otherwise be lost. And it, they, they, they've worked really well to find a way to keep the charm of this film mm-hmm. and insert it in the show. You know, I guess we're talking about MVP position here. Those two have played such a huge role behind the scenes in making the show successful for me. Yeah. But this is a really difficult show to talk about who my MVP is because there's an argument for a lot of people. I know who mine is. <laughs> we always do this. Yeah, who there's would... always one of us that's like, oh, I don't know. There's so many people this time. But I've I decided think... who my MVP is. 
I I actually think I'm going to give it to Faye Toja, who was Lena, simply because I think she was phenomenal in it. I went into it knowing her and appreciating her as a singer, but mm-hmm. not being familiar with her acting ability. So she really surprised me. I think she did a really good job. I loved the you know her commitment to these Lena bits. Yeah. And, you know, that she's this pantomime villain, but not going too pantomime with it all. Mm-hmm. Obviously, secondary shout-out has to go to Don Lockwood. Adam Cooper. Yeah, yeah, Adam Cooper was brilliant. And so much of this falls on his shoulders. And the fact that he's not just doing Gene Kelly, he's putting his own spell on the characters, great. Mm-hmm. I loved Cosmo. I loved Kathy. But I'm, I'm going to give it to Lena. I yeah. loved the addition of the song as well. And I think just having that character song worked really well for me. Yeah. Mine is Alistair Croswell, who was the Cosmo that we saw. Yes. He was phenomenal. I thought he was so funny. And because he's an understudy in that role as well, and we very rarely see understudies when yes. we go, because usually we're seeing it opening night or the next night. You know, it's not that common for understudies to go on in the first couple of nights of the show. He was so good yeah. and so talented. He was supposed to play the dialect coach and then they had another uh, ensemble member step in for that role. Like that, yeah, it's just incredible. But, and the fact that when we left, it wasn't until I started writing my review, which is on our BMC page, I, I didn't know. I wouldn't have known otherwise. I just thought we had the main Cosmo and it was you looking at the programme that said, no, we had this person. Yeah. And the fact that he fits so well into that role I mean, obviously, he's an unstudy for a reason. He's very good at the role. Mm -hmm. But the fact that, like, I mean, like you say, understudies are so rare for these press night shows or opening night shows. Yeah. He was very good. And and Cosmo is one of my favourite characters and is the role I would want to play. Yeah. Cosmo remains the role I want to play, partly because of his charm, his energy, and just how great he was. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I said Lena last time. I still want to be Lena this time. I guess the great thing with Lena is you also get a little bit more in this version. Yeah, and you get to do her song and it's just funny and nice. And that's not, you know, to say Kathy doesn't do a good job because Kathy's fantastic. Yes, but like I said when we watched the film, I am nowhere near talented enough to even dream of playing that role. But there are also so many nice little extra characters that I could talk about being, you know, like... Simpson, Roscoe, the dialect coach, all these are great little characters, like nice little moments for them to come on with. Mm-hmm. What was your best song in this performance? That's a good question. I am going to go with Moses Supposes. I loved Make Him Laugh. I love singing in the rain. I love Good Morning. I just really enjoyed you know, what they did with Moses Supposes here. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the addition of their dialect coach being like, oh, if you can't beat them, join them. I think... Ooh, it's so annoying. Can I have three? <laughs> I, I mean, I could say so many <laughs> They're different... all so good. I always love All I Do because that song gets stuck in my head all the yep. time. I love it so much. I love You Were Meant For Me, where they are singing together and the soundstage is great. Obviously, Good Morning is incredible. Yeah. And but my my number one for this is Beautiful Girl. 
Yeah. Because you have the chorus on the plane. It's so cool. It is a really lovely set piece as it moves forward. Mm -hmm. Do you have a skip song? Would you? I mean, I only know the one line of it that's in the film. Yeah. But that's like a tough choice. It's it difficult. is really difficult choice. Like looking at the the song list myself, I probably would say "Would You" as well. Yeah, because... I'm talking specifically about the one that she's recording here. Yeah, I think it's one of those moments that like it's lovely and it works, but you wouldn't want to listen to over and over again. Over and over again. Yeah. How does this one rank up compared to when you saw it ten years ago? All of the big bits that I remember are so good. Like the plane and the rain and like all of that stuff is just... The plane and the incredible. rain. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, this is a five star easily. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, I think it's a wonderful adaptation of the film. Not only will, you know, fans of the film love every moment of this. I think there's also this moment of being sat in almost you rediscover bits of it through this different medium. Mm-hmm. I think the show manages to maintain the fun spirit of the film, but also like does a great job of honouring its legacy. Yeah. You know, and it's just phenomenal. And if you get a chance to see this on tour, you absolutely should. You will not be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Wonderful way to start off our second birthday week. Yes, indeed. So we are going to be dropping a little bonus for everyone this week where we talk about your favourite soundtrack right now. Yes, we are going to be talking about the new cast recording of Goosebumps, the musical, The Phantom of the Auditorium. And I'm very excited to sit down and talk Me about too. that as a nice little bonus way of celebrating on the day itself, which mm -hmm. should be Wednesday, I believe. Yes. And then next week, we are going to talk about our final bit of live theatre for this season. As we head back to the Southwark Playhouse for the first time since the last five years in October 2020. Yes, indeed. We're going to talk about my first live experience of a Sondheim musical. Because we're going to see Anyone Can Whistle. Yeah. I have no idea what to expect from that show. I literally know nothing about it. Which is the point of this, this show. But I'm very excited to watch it and talk about it. Yes, indeed. And then we will be covering a Disney film that doesn't excite me so much. Because we're going to be watching Pinocchio. Yes. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about why that doesn't excite me <laughs> when we get there. And then we'll cap off April with Phantom Week, as is tradition. Yeah. Before we sign off, you know, thank you to everyone who has played a part in keeping us going over these past two years mm -hmm. we wouldn't still be doing this if it wasn't for some of the amazing people we've got the chance to interact with you know through doing this there are so many awesome people out there that get in touch with us on a very regular basis and interact with us and we love and appreciate all of you and thank you for all your support thank you for making us a part of your lives and welcoming us into into your into your ears yeah. As always, you can get involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod. Let us know your thoughts on uh, Anyone Can Whistle. Is it something you've seen or always wanted to see, or is it a song time that doesn't interest you at all? Tell us why. You can subscribe to us 
on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on the Google Podcasts app, on the Amazon Music app, under the podcast sections of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you like what we do, why not help celebrate our birthday by heading over to one of those platforms or to podchaser.com and leave us a review and tell us what you enjoy about it a musical podcast. Yes, indeed. But until next week, where we find out if anyone can indeed whistle, see you same back place, same back channel. Have a magical musical Monday.